Well, hello again, and welcome back to Celebrating 60-something. Thank you for tuning in. Is that what you say when it's a podcast, tuning in? I'm not sure. Anyways, I feel pretty good now, but last night I did not have a good night, and unfortunately that is not a surprise. It's been happening a lot lately. I usually don't have a problem falling asleep, unless of course there's a steady rhythm of a drip drip outside from the rain gutter, or maybe a tick 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 of the clock in the other room, then there's a problem. But staying asleep is always a problem. Lately it's always a problem anyway. The slightest thing can wake me up, like needing to change positions, the light from my phone, or the sound of the furnace kicking in. And once I'm awake, I mean even slightly awake, going back to sleep can be so hard. The problem is, I usually need to change positions around the same time every night, which sets my internal clock to a pattern, and I begin waking up at that same time every single night. Ugh, so frustrating. And then I can't get back to sleep. I try to count. I try breathing. I try to focus. I try to clear my mind. Anything to keep my mind from thinking nonstop, darting from this thought to that, going down a rabbit hole. It's crazy. But a lot of times, even most of the times I would say, I'm not successful at doing that. And pretty soon I'm thinking about this son or that daughter or this thing that I should have done or that thing that I forgot to do. One thing leads to another, and soon I just cannot shut it off. And that was my night last night. Now, usually I toss and turn and listen to my husband snoring next to me, and I get irritated because his noise only adds to my discomfort, and it's frustrating to know that he's sleeping so soundly and I'm not. Now, he's a good man. Bless his heart. I love him to pieces and bits. So he usually hears me thrashing around, fluffing pillows, giving a heavy sigh, covering and uncovering myself in my attempt to get comfortable, and he usually wakes up, rolls over and rubs my back for a few minutes, offers me a few words of comfort, and even offers to go get me a drink or open a window or close a door or whatever I need. But I usually don't need anything. I'm just frustrated that I can't sleep, so within a minute or two, he's rolled over again and he's back to snoring. It isn't fair. Really, he's the one who lives on caffeine during the day. He has no problem falling asleep, and he could sleep through the night if it wasn't for me. But it doesn't end there. Oh, no. As I started out saying, I did not have a good night last night, which makes for a difficult day today for a number of reasons. So last night I woke up at 2.58, to be precise. I tossed, I turned, I woke up my husband, I went through the whole routine that I just told you about. And I did this till about 4.30 in the morning. At that time, I decided I could not sleep with him snoring. Okay, it was softly snoring, but he was still snoring. I couldn't sleep with him snoring next to me. So I took my pillow, grabbed a soft blanket, and went downstairs to the couch. Got all comfortable and laid there. Then got up off the couch, went over and picked up the clock that was ticking Carried it into the other room, shut the door, came back, laid back down, got all comfortable and cozy again, and tried to sleep. But my guess is that it was around probably 5.30, closer to 6, before I actually did fall asleep. Now that would have been a rough night in and of itself if my issues had stopped there. But they didn't. And that is what I really want to talk about today. Because I had been awake from 3 a.m. till about 6 a.m., I now overslept. 
I did not wake up until 8.30 a.m. this morning, and that is the latest I have slept in a long, long time. I'm an early riser. I'm a morning person. I'm a get-up-and-get-going kind of gal. So when I finally did wake up and I saw the time, I was frustrated. I was behind the plan I already had for the day. By 8.30 in the morning, I have usually exercised, showered and dressed, finished my scripture study, but instead I had a slight headache. I was grumpy, a little stiff, frustrated, and anxious. Anxious about the day that was not going to happen the way I had planned. By the time I came into my home office this morning, I was feeling anxiety, pretty good anxiety, really. This is something I struggle with, and I'm always trying to manage, even when I get a good night's sleep. So what is anxiety anyway? Well, if you Google it, it says worry, stress, and fear. These emotions are all futuristic, meaning we feel them by having thoughts about the future. They're created by our own thoughts, and in my situation, it was thoughts about the rest of my day and the things I needed to get done, and that now I probably wasn't going to get done. These are unnecessary as we have absolutely no control over the future. Yes, we can plan and schedule our day and hopefully it will go right, but that doesn't mean that it always is going to go right. We're worried about something that hasn't even happened yet. We have evolved as humans and once upon a time we needed these emotions. They were helpful in avoiding being attacked by animals or enemies. We were on alert, constant alert, gave us a little tension and a little stress. Nowadays, there isn't a lot of life-or-death situations on a daily basis that we have to avoid, so our brains still use these feelings to protect us, but for unnecessary reasons. Someone started a rumor about us. Insert worry and fear. Someone disagreed with something we wrote on social media. (gasps) What will people think? Anxiety. Our schedules didn't go according to plan. Insert stress. All are unnecessary but very often hard to control. I have a son who has given me permission to use his story as an example. My son became addicted to pain pills, and as most opioid addictions go, he eventually became addicted to heroin because it is cheaper and, for him, easier to get. You can imagine the stress, the worry, the future, if he continued the course he was on. I worried about it constantly. What would his life be like? Wonder if he died. Wonder if this happened or that happened. It was... It was terrible. There really are only two options for those who continue abusing drugs. They will either go to prison or they will die. Neither one was acceptable to me, so my job became ensuring that he live and that he do the things necessary to avoid prison. His problems became my problems. Him being out of gas and unable to get to work became my problem and how to fix it for him. Him being unable to pay his bills became my problem, so he wouldn't become homeless. If he was homeless, I couldn't deal with that. I thought that was one step closer to the inevitable, which again was unacceptable. My mind just could not go there. Life became a living hell, to tell you the truth, and I constantly asked about his finances, his car situation, his work, or his lack thereof, because he was always out of a job. I drove him places and I paid for things, all the while being played by him for his own benefit. But I didn't understand all that. All I knew is that he wasn't functioning and I needed to do something about that. The stress took a toll on me. I developed heart problems and my blood pressure soared, shot through the roof actually, not because of what he was doing, but because of how I let what he was doing become my problem. My thoughts and my fears about the future, over which I had absolutely no control, were controlling how I was functioning, which was not very well at the time. 
I stressed myself to the point of physical sickness and over-the-top anxiety. I actually would shake sometimes out of fear. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and have heart palpitations. It was crazy. I sought counseling and attended a group formed by parents and family members to help parents and family members cope with a child's addictions, even an adult child's addictions and behaviors. I was able to slowly let go, not of my son, but his problems. He knows I love him more than life, just like I do all of my children. But his overcoming his addictions had to be his choice. I could not change him. I was helpless. Now, because I'm talking about anxiety today and how to control it, I won't go into the details. But I will just say that today, by his own will and choices, my son is clean and sober. He has an adorable family and is working towards a better life. Hopefully, his life will continue in that direction, and I have every reason to believe that it will. And someday I will do a podcast and tell you a little more in depth about drug addiction and um, a family member's role in that whole scenario. Someone said feeling fearful, anxious, and stressed is actually feeling, for no reason, the feelings you would feel if what you're worrying about actually happened. Why not wait and see if it actually happens? It may not. And all of that worry and stress was for absolutely nothing. As I mentioned, feelings of worry and stress arise because of our own thoughts. These are called primary feelings. When we resist these feelings and don't acknowledge them is when they turn into anxiety, which is a secondary feeling. In order to avoid anxiety, we must learn to manage the primary feelings. We do that by first acknowledging the feeling. Hey, stress. Boy, I'm feeling you this morning. Yes, I know that I'm stressed. I know that you're here. You can feel that feeling and remind yourself that stress is only here because of sentences in your brain. Do not resist the feeling. Just sit with it. Yes, stress, I'm feeling you in my chest. I can feel my heart pounding. Stay as long as you need to. And just let it be. Don't try and think a new positive thought or think how you're going to get out of the stress. Just feel it. By doing this, the feeling will subside. Sometimes it will come back, but you will just have to repeat the process, and maybe even more than once. By acknowledging stress, you avoid its bigger sister, anxiety, and possibly even its bigger brother, a full-blown panic attack. They're just escalated thoughts turned into feelings. So sit with your stress for a while while it's small and manageable. Don't push it to the back of your mind. Acknowledge it and know that it's okay to feel a little stressed. You can start by practicing with the thoughts you have about all that's going on in the world today. This country is crazy right now. Things are going on that I have never seen in all of my 60-something years. And it's a little stressful to watch. You wonder what's going to happen. What is the future going to be like? Do you feel a little worry and fear about the future? I sure do. If it's not serving you, let it go. If you can't control the situation, let it go. If you can't change anything, let it go. And I've had a hard time with that, but I'm getting better at it. I can vote, but that's about all I can do about the situation that our country is in. So I need to just let it go. By practicing this pattern, you can begin to control and manage your mind. Remember, the worst thing that can happen is a feeling. There are also other things we can do to help us manage stress, anxiety, and fear in addition to what I've already talked about. 
And now I could talk about each one of these in depth and go on for maybe a whole podcast, but today I'm just gonna touch on them briefly. So these are the things that we can do to help manage stress, anxiety, and fear. Number one, slow and deep breathing are helpful when you are acknowledging your stress. So right when you recognize the stress and you know it's there, start your slow and deep breathing. Slow and deep breathing is also helpful if you wake up during the night with anxious feelings. Now, I know that, but it definitely was not helpful to me last night. But then I wasn't really stressed. I just had insomnia. There are even apps on your phone that can guide you if you need to de-stress several times a day. They'll walk you through breathing exercises. There's even apps on your phone for tapping. I don't know if you've ever heard of tapping. It's where you thump your finger against your forehead or your temple, under your nose or your chin, on your chest, and you just do a repeated pattern and it calms your mind and makes you relax. And I've done it and it works and I actually like it. Number two, physical exercise and yoga. Now we know that physical exercise is good for us. We've been told so many times, yet we all still struggle to get in enough exercise in the day. Physical exercise and yoga naturally relax our bodies and help us focus. When we feel good physically, we're better equipped to handle stress when things don't go as planned. And we already know things never go as planned. So we need to make sure that we exercise every single day. Number three, be a contributor and keep a sense of purpose, which gives meaning to life. Stay involved in the things that you love and that are important to you, whether that's family, religion, community, or just something else you're passionate about. A sense of purpose can give us an I'm in charge kind of a feeling, which helps in moments of fear. When you're capable and have been used to being in charge and taking control, then when moments of fear do come, you don't really panic. Your fear doesn't escalate. Number four, meditation and mental health. Keep our minds sharp. Study something interesting to you. Paint, read, Play thinking games and word games. Do the crossword puzzle in the daily newspaper. Take a class. Challenge yourself. Learning to control and feel and let go and learning to clear your mind are all helpful tools for managing stress. Number five, do something fun every day. Something you enjoy, whatever it is. Why not have a little fun? Choose to be a happy person. Happy people do not experience fear and stress as often as down and depressed people do. So why not choose happy? Find something that you love every single day and do it. I love going for a ride, getting a drink, listening to the radio and singing to the top of my lungs sometimes just to get away, just to de-stress. Find something that makes you happy and do it. Now, I don't believe that life was meant to be completely carefree. In fact, I've said it before, it's in the trials that we grow and the trials and the burdens bring stress. So stress is inevitable. But I also do not believe that trials and burdens need to be carried endlessly, especially if they're about something that we don't have any control over or any power to change, such as a terminal illness of someone we love. Yes, we need to bear the burden and shoulder the pain and the hardship and be there in help and comfort, but we can ensure that it does not take over our life. Because surely there is no purpose to that, right? You have all heard the story about a lecturer when explaining stress management to an audience raised a glass of water and asked, how heavy is this glass of water? Answers called out ranged from 20 grams to 500 grams. The lecturer replied, the absolute weight doesn't matter. It depends on how long you try to hold it. 
If I hold the glass out in front of me for a minute, that's not a problem. If I hold it out there for an hour, I'll have an ache in my arm. If I hold it for a day, you'll have to call an ambulance. In each case, it's the same weight, but the longer I hold it, the heavier it becomes. He continued, and that's the way it is with stress management. If we carry our burdens all the time, sooner or later, as the burden becomes increasingly heavy, we won't be able to carry on. As with the glass of water, you have to put it down for a while and rest before holding it again. When we're refreshed, we can carry on with the burden. So before you return home tonight, put the burden of your work down. Don't carry it home. You can pick it up tomorrow. Whatever your burdens are, whatever you're carrying now, let them down for a moment now and again. Give yourself permission to relax, to de-stress, and just not think about it. That's all I have for today. I, like I said, did not have a great night. So I think I'm going to call it a day and go take a nap. I hope you have a pleasant day with whatever it is that you have to do. I surely am glad that you stopped by. I appreciate it. If you wouldn't mind, give us some feedback. You can go to the website celebrating 60-something with the numbers 6-0, and you can leave a comment there. You can sign up for our emails, and we'll be notified every time there's a new podcast. You can also find us on Stitcher and iHeartRadio, and soon we will be on Apple Podcasts. So relax, take it easy, and make it a great day, and we will see you soon on Celebrating 60-something. Bye now.